I invite you to open your copy of God's Word, if you have it with you, to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 161 and 162. Psalm 119, 161. Let me pray for us as we open God's Word together. Well, God, we are so um, privileged that you speak to us and that your word is clear and that your word is useful for us. And so we pray this morning, even as we come now, that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things out of your word, that you would uh, teach us, that through your word you would unite our hearts to you, and that we would glorify you as a result of being here together. We thank you for this passage before us. In Christ's name, amen. Psalm 119, verse 161 and 162 says this, Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Those two verses go together very well. You see that uh, there's this deep awe of the word of God in 161. He says, my heart stands in awe of your words. And it's amazing the context in which he's saying this. He, he's saying, I am being pursued. I am being persecuted. I am, uh, I am experiencing real hardship at this time, but... I am not overwhelmed by, uh, by sadness or by grief. I'm not overwhelmed by the emotions that might come with this persecution. He says, my heart, the very thing that could be saddened, the very thing that could be discouraged, could be afraid. He says, my heart, it, it is standing in awe. It is full of wonder and reverence. It, it is full of praise at your words. What, what you say, God, is above this situation. What you say is, brings me out of this situation in a, in a heart sense. I, I may still remain in the midst of this circumstance, but my heart is lifted to another place. My heart stands in awe. As Charles Spurgeon says, this verse goes next with, with the next one really well, because he says, I'm going to paraphrase him. He says, unless we have a deep awe of the word of God, we will never have a high joy of it. Unless we have a deep awe of the word, we will never have a high joy. Because the next verse begins with, I rejoice at your word. You'll never have joy in the word of God unless you stand in awe of the word of God. Awe is where we start. Where we say, you are God in heaven and here am I on earth. Let my words be few. I have nothing to say that will be better than what God has said. I can't even encourage myself in whatever situation I'm in in any way better than God's word could speak to me and bring me to a place of rejoicing. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. You know that the, the more you value something, the greater you delight in it. And especially when you have it. The more you value something, the, the pursuit is worth it. The more you value something, it is of great delight when you finally get the very thing. Here we see what the word of God is able to do to us in bringing us to this place of joy. One that is what, like finding a great spoil, verse 162 says. The, the reason the word of God brings great joy as we discover it, as it is in our lives, that it's impacting us, the, one, the way we have joy in this is because firstly, we know that the word of God reveals God 
reveals God. Like, what good is something you don't know about? If there is a treasure buried in a field somewhere and you had no clue about it, the treasure is worthless to you. If God did not reveal himself to you, if God chose to just stay concealed in in the heavenly realms, if he did not reveal himself to us, would we be any richer? Would be. But there's the great thing is the word of God makes us richer because we see the value of God himself. It is great spoil because God in the word has revealed himself. He showed himself to us from beginning to end as creator, as sustainer, as ruler and reigner, as the one who will bring you through death into true life. We know this because of the word of God. And it was God's choice to reveal it to us in words that we could comprehend. In language, by God's grace, in language that we can understand. Enduring through time as we can have it. It's God revealing himself to us. God speaking to us. There is a a great treasure in that. The second thing is that the word of God is a great treasure because it is the guide to our life. If you want to know, you know, how you can align your actions and your heart with, with that moral compass you seem to be given from birth, the, the, the ability to understand right and wrong and have a sense of guilt. If you want to know, how do I live right? How do I live according to obviously what God has imprinted on my heart? Well, the word of God reveals that to you. And it's a great treasure in, in that regard that it shows you and it gives you a guide for your life. What is right? What is wrong? What is going to be best for glorifying God? What's going to be best for human flourishing? If I follow this guide that God has given me, tells me what to do and what not to do. Sometimes if you read through the Old Testament, you might think, why are all of these laws here? Why does that matter? Why does a beard matter? Why does the way they they drip the blood on things matter? Why do those things matter? There's these guides, though, in order to put boundaries around people's hearts to say, you want to know how to honor God? It starts with obedience. Are you able to obey the simple things? Are you able to obey the hard things? The word of God is a great treasure because it is a guide to our life. It helps us know where to go and where not to go. It helps us know how to get to the final place we all want to be is heaven and glory with God. How do we get there? Well, the guide tells us. It tells us to not look to our own self, but look then to the cross. This is the guide of life that it provides for us a great spoil, which ultimately brings rejoicing. It also brings great joy because it is the sure pledge of mercy. The word of God is where we find the mercy of God. If you did not have the word of God before you and the people a hundred years ago did not have the word of God before you, where would you be? Where would you be in your guilt? Where would you be in your sin and your shame? Where would you be when you think about eternity What would you be when you think about creation and and who you are and what you were made for? Do you have a a purpose? Are you going anywhere? Is there anything more than this? But here's the great thing. The word of God is a great treasure to us because it is a sure pledge of mercy. In this book, page after page, you see God's mercy. Sometimes people want to falsely think that God was not merciful in the Old Testament. Those people have never read the Old Testament. People who think that the Old Testament God seems to be this wrathful God, a God who is angry and and always just mean, and the New Testament God seems to be something different. 
Jesus is all loving, right? Well, well, no, there is one God. And this God has never changed and he never will change. God was both just and merciful in the Old Testament. And God is both just and merciful in the New because he never changes. But the word shows us the mercy of God. It is our sure pledge of mercy. Without this word, without the account we have of God, we would never know if he was merciful or not. We would never know. You might guess or you might want to make that up. You might hope that he's merciful. You know, a lot of people who, who don't believe in God or, or even who don't read the Bible, they think, well, you know, I'm all, we're all getting to heaven. Well, why would they assume that? Because they're assuming on some sort of merciful, benevolent God someday, somewhere, somehow. Well, that's pretty sad if that's what you're banking your life upon is something so unsure. But for us, we have the surety of mercy as we read page after page in the word of God. Another reason the word of God is a great treasure is because it is the beginning of our communion with God. It is here that we meet with God and have a relationship with God, that we hear from God. It's, it's here that, that when you speak to God and you can hear him speak to you, it's where our communion begins, is when we enter into God's conversation, what God has already said, what God is speaking, has spoken, and will speak. It's us entering into this relationship with God. The, the Bible is a great treasure because it is the beginning of communion with God. So the question is, where does your joy in the word come from? For some, it comes when th there's a real struggle, a real struggle to understand it, that the joy comes in, in the mining process, in the real struggle of the hard work of understanding the word of God. When there is hard work in mining that great piece of gold, you're going to go back the next day, even though it was hard. Even though your hands get dirty, even though you have to chisel away and go down deep in dark places, dirty places, difficult places. If you know that there is gold there, you're going to go and you're going to go again. And there is great spoil in that and great joy as you've done all the hard work of mining and you come out with a nugget of gold. Are you just going to be satisfied at that? No, you're going to say, I'm going to go back because I know there's more. There's, there's a joy and a contentment that is driving me back to those hard places. Sometimes understanding the word of God is a hard thing. It is like mining difficult jewels out of a hard place. Sometimes it's based on our circumstance. We're having a hard time in life. And so it's difficult to get into the word of God. Sometimes it's hard intellectually. There's things in the Bible that are confusing. And, and so it's hard work to try to mine out the truths that will prove to be gold to us and a great treasure. It's like putting blood, sweat, and tears into a project. You appreciate the value of it, don't you? After you've put in all the hard labor, you love the thing you've done. Versus just something that someone else threw together for you. It's nice, you value it, but not like when you've built it yourself. You appreciate the value of something. You're able to more deeply enjoy something that you have labored over because you see how the hard work pays off. It's true of a project, but it is all the more true. It is 10,000 times more true that when you study the word of God and you labor and you toil over the difficult study of God's word, that you will have great joy. And that will be where you find rejoicing in the word of God. So for some, the joy comes through a struggle with the word of God. But for others, it comes with just finding it. Just finding. Here, this verse says, I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Sometimes finding it means you had to go and dig 
and, and it was a real hard time finding it. Sometimes you just find it like a kid finding 20 bucks <laughs> blowing in the wind. Sometimes you just find a great treasure and, and it wasn't that difficult. There's times where you read God's word and something is so clear or, or something just jumps off the page at you. You may open the word of God tomorrow expecting difficulty in study, reading, but then all of a sudden joyfully being surprised when there's just clarity. It, it, was, it came easier than you expected. Sometimes being in the word of God, you, you can come across the passage and it brings immediate joy because it was simple to understand and it was not difficult for you to do. You just found the great treasure. It brings immediate joy because it's not just as you understand it, but sometimes the word of God, the joy in it comes as you share it. As you help someone else to see for the first time what, what that light is and you see the light go on in someone else. There's great joy in that, isn't it? If you have opened up the word of God with someone and, and they have seen the light go on, you think, wow, that was, that was bringing me great joy. They find great spoil as do you in sharing it. Think about this for a moment. Consider the great spoil, the treasure of this book. That is the gospel. It was costly. It was costly. Spurgeon says this. He says, if we did not fight for it, Someone else once fought for it. Oh, what a fight it was. Let Gethsemane and Calvary tell. What joy there is in seizing the spoil which Jesus has left us as a result of his life's warfare. We have not trodden the wine press, but yet we drink the wine. The blessing is free to us, but it costs him groans and tears and bloody sweat and death. The great spoil that we get to enjoy in the goodness of the gospel, the message of forgiveness from the Lord Jesus, was just something that we find in that sense that we have not had to do the hard work of, of receiving that blessing. It is simply the gift of salvation that we receive, the great spoil that we get to be the inheritors of because all the hard work that Christ has done on our behalf. He has become sin for us. He has taken on our sinful account so that on the other side of the cross, so that when we come through the cross and are united to Christ, we may have great spoil and great rejoicing. And so we rejoice at the word of God because it shows us this, this coming Messiah, the, the deliverer of God's people. And then ultimately we see the Lord Jesus who says, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're free. You're new. You're my friend. You think, that's something that I don't deserve. The riches of that, the riches of knowing Christ is something that I could never have even worked for, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how deep I dug, no matter how many good things I've done, I would never even be able to find that good word of the gospel. But God, being rich in mercy, has lavished upon us his grace, grace upon grace, it's the Lord Jesus that is this greatest spoil that the word of God reveals page after page. And so when you mine it out, when you come across it, there is rejoicing because this is the message of deliverance. You know, when I first read this passage, what might have come to your mind is a, is a familiar parable. When I read, um, like one who finds great spoil, I'm not sure if in your mind, what came to mind was uh, Matthew 13, 44 to 46 is the parable that says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, 
he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in the search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all he had and bought it. When you know the value of a thing, you are, you are willing to pursue it with everything you have. And then also on the opposite end, when you don't value the things you have, you waste it. When you don't know the value of the thing you have, sometimes you give it away or you, you throw it away. I don't know if you've ever watched the, the Antique Roadshow, right? Sometimes these people would bring in like these treasures to these uh, appraisers and say, well, you know what? I just found that at the bottom of a crate in the back of some storage cabinet. I bought it for $2. A person didn't know the value of the thing that they just tucked away and threw it away like it was nothing. They didn't know the value of the thing. And then it's revealed this thing's worth $2 million. Sometimes when you don't know the value, you just, you don't take, if you don't take it up as it should be taken. Sometimes you waste it or you, you abuse it. You, you don't know the value of it and so you let others abuse it. Sometimes if you don't know the value, you easily trade it. You know, a kid will trade you if the, if the, if the coin's bigger. It, well, if it's bigger, it must be better, right? You might be able to trade off something very significant. When we don't know the value of a thing, we easily trade it. And that's true of the word of God as well. When we don't know the value of it, we trade it away to idols, TV, sleep. I mean, I'll confess for me, when, when, I'm, when I'm feeling in whatever space I'm in and I, I, I'm, I'm prone then where I should be, like I, I need to find joy. I need to find something to bring me contentment in this moment. I, I, if I knew the value of God's word, I would pursue it. But I don't. I pursue the idol of laziness instead, or of just a nap. I know a nap's going to satisfy me, and so I'll pursue the nap. But if I only knew that that just lasts for a moment until I need another nap, but the word of God is making deposits into my life, and so if I knew the value of it, I would pursue it instead of the idol. And if I would just read my journal, I would see how much the word of God is a great treasure, a great spoil that I should pursue but I realized what that shows to be true about me is I don't value the word of God like I should, or I don't know the value of it. I don't know if that's true of you too, that sometimes we just don't know the value and so we, we waste it. We don't read it. So we have how many copies in our home and we just waste it. We have how much time in a day we flick on the TV instead. We just waste the value because we don't know the value of the thing. We don't realize that this is a great spoil that according to the parables is like, in order to find out what the kingdom of heaven is like even, what, where the kingdom of God comes from, these were willing to sell everything they had and pursue it. What are you willing to give up to pursue the word of God to get the great spoil out of it? We realize that through this word, God reveals himself. He, he guides us. He gives us mercy. He communes with us. And we know that comes through sometimes struggle, sometimes surprise. But the word of God as you open it up, as you read it, as you take it into your life, is always satisfying. It's always satisfying. Every time you come to the Word of God, whether or not you've comprehended it walking away, whether or not you have, you have done a great study or you have just surfacely read, it, it is stirring up in you a satisfaction, something that will deeply satisfy you because it's a relationship with God, the very thing we were made 
4. It says here in verse 161, Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I stand in awe. I, I'm amazed at your words, at the power of your words, at the, the, the prize of your words. And then I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Rejoicing. Are you rejoicing at the very word of God? Is your life full of joy? Are, are you getting glimpses of joy or are you just getting through life mundane? Are you pursuing the joy that you can have from the word of God? From, it says, I rejoice at your word. Remember, God has spoken. God, the one who made you, the one who sustains you, the one who will be your king forever. He's speaking to you. Are we listening? Are we entering into that communion with him? I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Are you finding that great spoil? Are you doing the hard work to mine out those nuggets of truth? Or are you even reading it to be surprised by truth? Are you finding that? And is it great to you? Do you realize the greatness of this spoil? Not just the, the vastness of it in every page and every word, every chapter. You think this book never ends. And no matter how many times you read it through, you think, I've never come across that word before. The greatness of the word of God, your entire life, you could read it again. You could read it once a month for your entire life and you would be surprised with great joy the next time you read it through because God has said something. And there is a greatness to this book like none other. There is a greatness to it. And not just in its, in its value to us in, in its size and its wisdom and its knowledge, but the greatness in its power. That this book has the power to change your life and my life. There is greatness. And that greatness is also found in the spoil, the treasure that is had. How many times do we realize the value of something only when it's taken away? That's true, right? Sometimes we only realize the value of something when it's taken away or it's broken. Let that never need to be the case for us with the word of God. Let it never need to be the case that we need to have this book taken from us in order for us to realize I should have valued that more. Like some of our brothers and sisters in, in other countries having to have underground church and, and split up a chapter of the Bible and share it because it's been taken away from them. They treasure it. They value it. Let that never be the case for us that we have to get to a point of having to have it ripped from our hands to go, I actually should value that. Let, let us not need to have this word taken away or your vision taken away or your hearing taken away in order for you to realize I miss the word of God. Let us value it above all things now so that we may gain from it the greatest treasure that we have. The great thing about the word of God is that we do not need to hoard it. We don't need to get it for ourselves, get all the knowledge, glean all the wisdom we can from it, all the joy we can from it, and keep it to ourselves. Don't hoard the Word of God. The Word of God is to be shared. The joy that you get from the Word of God is to be shared also. Don't be like a millionaire who goes hungry because he didn't want to share his money with the store. Don't do that. That is unwise. Do you get to enjoy the blessing of what God has given you in your great wealth that you have before you, the word of God? Share it freely, knowing the value that you obtain in it will not deplete when you give it away. The value of the word of God will not lessen when you give it away. 
It won't diminish. It's great, remember? Not just in value, but it's also immeasurable in power. It doesn't come from your storehouse. When you give away the word of God, when you share a Bible verse with someone else, when you hand them a physical Bible, it's not from your storehouse. It's from God's and he is immeasurable and immeasurably rich. So share it freely and see your joy increased. You know, um, it, it doesn't uh, take out of you to share the word of God. It is God who, who does not deplete it at all. You know, it's amazing. You think about angels for a second, angels rejoicing in heaven. And you would think that their joy would be capped out. I would think like that's the height of joy to be in the presence of the glory of God. Like that seems like the highest, the highest of joys you can get. But yet when one sinner repents, when, when not them, not like they got something else or, or, or their joy was increased from a closer relationship with God. No, it wasn't something they got. But when someone else, when one sinner repents, when someone else finds a great spoil, they're rejoicing increases. Their joy is heightened. It, it, it multiplies. Their joy is multiplied. It's like someone, some, you know, people wonder how, if you have another kid, how could my love be divided? I don't know if I have enough love to go around for all these children until you realize when you have another kid, your love's not divided. Your love is multiplied. It's the same thing with the joy that comes from sharing the word of God. When you share it, when you give it away, the joy that you have from the word of God is not divided. It's not like you've given uh, something away, but you are being multiplied. When you share the word of God through struggle, as you stumble across it, as you go through your day, you read something profound that jumps out at you, joy comes. Oftentimes it will be found through our direct contact with the word of God, but sometimes that surprise, sometimes that, that finding the great spoil out of nowhere comes through other people. It comes through other people. All of a sudden, someone uh, quotes a word of God or someone uh, shares a Bible verse with you or shares what God has taught you, taught them this week from the word of God. And, and from there, you get great joy. There's a great spoil, a great treasure that you have. Sometimes you just find it in other people. And that's the value of being uh, part of a godly church where people read their Bible, where people study their Bible. They grow in their understanding. They grow in their walking in the Bible and they share it with one another. Because then the joy is multiplied. People who talk about it, who pray the Bible, who quote the Bible, who always are Bible people together, there is great joy to be had and to be shared in there. We rejoice at his word like one who finds great spoil, whether it's through a hard study of it or whether it's through happening across it. God just brings it into our day because we needed it just so. Maybe we, may we be the people who value it above other idols in our lives, but above all the other things that will let us down in a moment, that'll let us down next year. The word of God will never fail you. And so let you and me be ones who treasure this word and because of that have great joy, great satisfaction, great contentment as we understand who God is, what he has done in Christ for us, in forgiving us, in freeing us, in making us new, if we would repent and believe the gospel. Let us value and treasure this above all things for his glory and for our joy. Let me pray. Oh God, what a gift it is that we have your word so accessible that through it you teach us who you are, what you've done. You teach us who we are and how we've broken our relationship with you. 
But then we also see the surety of mercy. Here we find mercy. In the word that says if we would confess our sins and repent and turn from them and stop trusting in our own ways and just trust in you, that we would be free. Free from our guilt, our shame. Free to live for you. Oh God, what a, what a great treasure it is. And so help us to value it properly. To put proper valuation on this word, that we would spend time in it, that we would, that we would mine it, that we would study it, that we would share it with great joy as it multiplies in our lives. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.